Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And the University of Washington, we have just watched them come from behind to defeat the arch-rival Oregon Ducks in their first meeting ever, both as top 10 ranked teams, 36-33 to at Husky Stadium, resulting in a field storming after Oregon missed a potential tying field goal on the final play of regulation. Oh, it was a lot. Hello! Hello! We have like 10 minutes for this emergency podcast, but we are going to get everything in here right now we, because this was them? this was every moment every single moment the greatest okay, university we'll the of washington drive. victory since we are going back really far now we are going back real far probably all the way to 1991 for this one and this victory felt like the atmosphere going into the game I, I know this sounds crazy for somebody who's been a Husky fan since the 90s to the older generation of Husky fans. The University of Washington football team in 2023, after a time period where they made back-to-back-to-back New Year's Six games, finally has a fan base. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> this was a wild game and most importantly, an impressive showing. And that is not a thing I have ever said about the University of Washington football crowd. It was an impressive showing from that crowd on Montlake to will this team to victory. What a game it was. I mean, I, I want to give the team a lot of the credit here. I, I don't know how much of the will, it was willing and how much of it was, you know, the actual performance of the team. But number one, it was cool to see like how much better all the traditions look when you've got every single seat in the stadium filled which has happened before i, I think usc when game day was last year might have in 2016 might have been the last time but it's been a minute and it's certainly been since my trips to the midwest since that's happened and then number two yeah i, I do think the crowd the crowd did impact the game in terms of you know the the fourth down stops that the huskies were able to get there's an atmosphere, there is an energy around Husky Stadium that there wasn't for a long time, including a lot of success, and I think they have finally built it back. I don't know whether it's Michael Penix. I don't even want to speculate on what it is. Obviously, those successful seasons under Chris Peterson helped. This was the first time, and I told you this is that Cal game, this was the first time that I felt like this. it was packed, and it wasn't like 40% Oregon fans. Right. This was a Husky crowd. This was the closest it felt to a Seahawks game against a team like that against a rival where it was like the, there is it, it, it wasn't animosity toward those fans, but it was like overwhelmingly Husky fans. It was overwhelmingly purple in that stadium. There wasn't this huge block of Oregon fans at the game. And I think Husky fans did a good job of not selling their tickets. I think there's more energy, despite the fact that Dan Lanning has that Oregon program in a very good place. I think there's more energy around University of Washington football right now. I think it could be the announcement of moving to the Big Ten. There's just a lot of steam around this program. And this so far, so far, is the signature win of this era of Husky football. Oh, without question. I mean, look, the signature win before was winning at Oregon last year. And it was a very impressive win, maybe more impressive, to do it on the road at Autzen Stadium. But 
it was later in the season. The Huskies already had two losses. It ultimately did not allow them to make it to the the Pac-12 championship game. And I think when you look at this game, it ticked like every box there is. Yeah. I mean, that that's why when we compare it to like the all-time greatest wins, I don't know if, obviously there are more monumental ones. Beating, beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl to complete the undefeated season in 1991-92 and earn a share of the national championship. I'm not saying this is the greatest win ever. I'm but, but I'm back. saying that's what that's what we're talking about right now, though. But I'm that's saying this one checked more boxes. Checked more boxes. I mean, that's the Rose Bowl, right? It is the Rose Bowl, but you know, Michigan. It was a cool little rivalry, uh, and those two teams played each other back to back years and played each other in several Rose Bowls. And now is a Big Ten rivalry. We didn't know at the time it was a Big Ten rival, but like UW in Oregon, it hits different. So the fact that it's UW Oregon, the fact that it's two top 10 teams, the potential impact on the Pac-12 championship race and the college football playoff, uh, the two quarterbacks being leading contenders for Heisman and having that kind of back and forth battle hanging over this entire game. Look, a lot of the seasons left to play played out to determine whether those factors are ultimately going to play out or not in terms of the conference championship and the Heisman race and all those things. We may be getting ahead of ourselves here in week seven of the season with still half the regular season to play. But then the other factor, it's your favorite factor. We saw so much darkness in this game. Oh, yes. We didn't just see the darkness. We bathed in the darkness. We draped ourselves in the darkness. Baby Fantasy Genius had been in the darkness, I think, since... Since uh, the Arizona game ended, maybe he had been in the darkness, but we saw it a number of times, most notably after Oregon completes on third and five, you know, kind of backed up on their own side of the field, a deep ball to Troy Franklin that's overturned on replay to a catch to continue that drive and run down the clock and seemingly make things very difficult for the Huskies. Is that where we're starting? If we run through this really fast, we've got. Yeah, let's start there. We're starting right there. We got a little more than that. Can I just summarize really quick? Because to me, the the very beginning of the first half. Well, wait, it, I just want to break in. I just what? saw that Arizona Washington State score. Can oh, you yeah. imagine? No, Arizona is good. How embarrassing it would be to only win by one touchdown in Arizona. Just oh, disband the program. Okay, the entire first half, all the way to I want to talk about the last play of the first half because Oregon could have easily kicked the Huskies are up by four at that point Oregon's getting the ball first in the second half Oregon could have easily kicked a field goal there right but Dan Lanning I have to give it up I was impressed by Dan Lanning today more than almost any other coach I have ever seen in the Pac-12 I was impressed by Dan Lanning today because a lot of coaches talk a lot of game a lot of coaches could do everything that's right and then when they get down to it they fuck up the ultimate decision that they have right Dan Lanning has that program he has got the Oregon defense good. The Oregon offense is excellent. He had them undefeated to this point. There's an atmosphere. There's a culture. He tried to win this game. And I think that's what you have to be impressed with, with Dan Lanning. He could have easily kicked a field goal there. Instead goes for it on that fourth down on the goal line or with time running out or whatever. The Huskies stop it. There are a couple of plays before we get to the drive at the very end that we're talking about. There were huge impact plays on this game. And that to me, both the interception that Penix threw, because the Huskies go up two scores there, we might be talking about a different game. And then Dan Lanning having that play, going for it, not going up. They score a touchdown there. They come out beginning of the second half, and they maybe score again. It is bleak for the Huskies at that point. 
Uh, so I thought that was impressive. He goes for another fourth down later in the game that they also don't pick up. And I actually think that kind of fueled Oregon's comeback. Those things. When he went for that fourth down instead of kicking the field goal to go down one again, I think. I forget exactly what the score was at that point. We can look up. But the second field goal, this is the thing that people who complain about, or the second fourth down decision that people who complain about coaches going for it never pay attention to. I thought this was a better decision than the end of half when I probably would have kicked it because you don't get a field goal present field position benefit out of, you know, uh, giving the team, the, the opposing team, the ball at the, at their own goal line in that situation, because it was the end of the half. But after Oregon has stopped fourth and three at the Washington eight in a situation where they trailed at that point, uh, 29, 18, 11. They, okay. So and they the just cut it to a one score game. All, like basically, I'm saying like 32 out of 32 coaches are probably kicking it there. Uh, the Husky, the the Huskies go three and out. The Ducks get the ball back at midfield. Immediately march down and three plays later, score a touchdown. Boom! Touchdown. That's the benefit you get if you fail to convert that fourth down. So so things were kind of bleak here for a little while, heading towards it. Huskies get the ball back with a chance to take the lead after an Oregon t- Oregon scores rattles off two touchdowns in a row easily. The deep ball was ticking for Oregon at this point, and it was all of a sudden like this was a scary time period. UW drives down the field, gets to the one-yard line, the half-inch line, right, when Dylan Johnson fumbled at the goal line. And I had in the back of my head, this is the masochist in me, I had in the back of my head, best thing that ever happened. Really? Because I'm like... If we get the ball back, it was too early in the game. The clock is such a huge part of how a football game is played when you have an offense like UW has. And I was like, if we get this ball back with or, three or like left, Oregon has, although Oregon is a little bit more, they know, could have been, quick, they could have been quicker strike than they wanted than they were today. Because basically, every time they threw deep, good things happen. But I'm like, if we get the ball back with like three minutes left, we're coming down scoring and winning game over. So I had that in the back of my head where I was like, honestly, like by, by this is a, not a, the right way to look at it, but the way that I was approaching it was like, we left them at the goal line. If the Huskies get the ball, three minutes left, we could march downfield, touchdown, win the game. It's over. So there was a little bit of positivity and slowly, this is where we get to the drive that you're talking about. That positivity is gone. I am at a like 0% chance of, I mean, honestly, you probably could have looked at the odds. We're pretty close to a 0% chance, but it's first there. There's a third down that we think we've stopped them. Right. Oh, Dan landing timeout. Easy first down right after that play. Boom. Two yards. First down easily. Right. Demoralizing. Get to another third down. Uh, I think the next one was third and five. The the pass to uh, that gets overturned. Detroit Franklin that you're talking about. All of a sudden, you're starting to look at the clock and you're saying, we've got like one more shot at this. Oregon, I mean, uh, honestly, the way that they were passing the ball, the way that they were getting the ball downfield, it was like, I think they could have gone over the top. Another one of those situations. They needed to run. Oregon is a pretty one-dimensional running team. That is the thing that I've known about. They obviously were great at running it. They kind of do one thing really well, which is the inside read handoff, right? Like, they just, they pound that. There's not, this is not Chip Kelly's Oregon team. They are so good at doing this one thing, running the ball, but also it is so one-dimensional that it's a little bit stoppable. Just a little bit stoppable if you know that it's coming. I mean, people thought that their rushy attack today, it felt more effective than it really was. They averaged, I mean, the two running backs averaged 5.8 and 5.7 yards per carry. 
but they, there were some lot, moments where you could stop them in short yardage situations. And so happens on third down. Or is it, and then it was an incomplete pass on yeah, fourth Bonix down. Yeah, passed right? on fourth down. And then the incomplete pass on fourth down. We are erupting in that moment because you know it's coming, right? Like, we are, we're That's not... A- which is why they had to go for it. Like, oh, okay, you pinned Michael Penix Jr. back. Oh, great. Good for you. Oh, no, no. Going for every every decision that Dan Lanning made in this game was the right decision. Every decision that Kalen DeBoer made in this game was also the right decision. We can only hope, before we get to this final drive, that Dan Lanning gets bullied out of going for fourth downs by the response to this, much like Brandon Staley. You think he's, I don't dead. think he's going to. You think that's what the that's what's going to be taken from this is don't go for fourth downs. I I don't. I, I, I think that is a hundred percent the takeaway from the Oregon side. And really? Dan Lanning said it was his fault post game. So yeah, really, I do think that that is hilarious. That we're like, I respect him. Anyway, Huskies get the ball back. Bomb to Jalen Polk right away. You're like, all right, they're scoring in your head. You're like, fuck, this is too soon. Not in our head. We said it inside to each other already. But no, the second play. This this was the second time. Touchdown, Roma Dunze, just maybe the greatest receiver in Husky history. Like kind of almost. That's a conversation to have. Incomparable with the way that with his hands that he goes up, makes that ball, comes down, scores the touchdown. I didn't even celebrate. I I I did the performative high fives for everybody around us. And I reached for, I leaned into you and I said, scored too soon because we know what happened there, right? We saw it. We knew Oregon was coming down and getting at least a field goal. Oregon took some time on this drive, on the final drive of the game. It's all on the UW defense, just as we expected this would be. All on the UW defense to slow Oregon down because they could have easily given up a touchdown this game. The game that it reminded me of the most was a week ago when we saw Texas versus Oklahoma. And Texas is like, well, whatever. They come down, hit a field goal. We go to overtime. No, Oklahoma came down and scored a touchdown and won the game. So that's what could have happened in this situation. UW's defense slows them down just enough. Oregon obviously and was playing conservative. It looked like there was a lot of too deep safety shells on that final drive. No, we were they giving up hadn't stuff. necessarily been playing a lot. And also, I mean, you look at those bombs that happened earlier. They're not trying to let that happen again, no. right? And and those were the product of play action as well, to be clear. Like, you know, not just Bo Nix dropping back and, you know, seven strep drop and, you know, receiver beats corner. UW forces them to the point that uh, after all the shenanigans that happen, we'll talk about it, we'll litigate it later when we have more time. You're now relying in college football on a kicker. And that is a situation that I would want to be in. Did I think it was going to go in? Of course I did. Everybody in that stadium thought it was going to go in, maybe except for Oregon fans. But you're still relying on a kicker in college football, and it wasn't a short field goal. That ball goes up. To me, it is dead through, right? Our seats are in the the east end zone looking straight on, and I see that it's an easy field goal. And then all of a sudden, you see it when it intersects with the upright, right? You see it intersect with the upright, and you're like, oh, fuck. And it comes in wide right pandemonium. Hugs immediate. I mean, not even high fives and celebration. Just group hugs, trying to make sure that none of us fall over the edge of the uh, east end zone. <laughs> fall, fall off the east end zone. <laughs> this was the most excited I have ever seen the group of people that were with at the game. Oh, it's not even close. It was the most revel- revelatory joyousness 
everything about it, screaming at Oregon. I lose my voice because you beat them. You have to let the, let them know that you beat them. I don't mind the people of Oregon. I don't mind the Oregon fans. They were honestly pretty good at this game. Oregon in general. Chill. Oregon, Oregon, the institution. Oregon, the entity. Oregon, the football program. That's what I hate. And so we had to let them know when they walked off the field that they were not welcome here and that they had been handled by the University of Washington for back-to-back years by future Heisman Trophy winner, Michael Penix, who now has a signature victory, a signature touchdown. A signature moment. To Roma Dunze, an incredible moment at Husky Stadium. And for me, what was probably the greatest Husky football game I've ever been to, the Huskies now sit still undefeated again different than last year 6 and 0 plenty of conference play to come but you could start dreaming at this point and there is a better victory on the husky schedule than most teams around the country have yeah i mean look they've been you know as effective as really anyone in the country thus far this season so i i there's a lot of difficult games left to go on the Husky schedule. I have not checked in lately on that uh, USC Notre Dame score, so I don't know how how difficult that one is shaping up to be. Eh, maybe not as difficult as we thought it was, but you're still going on the road in conference. Like a long, it's just so long to go. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question. To me, the three best games that I've attended are in 1994 when you'd have beat Ohio State uh, minus the suspended Joey Galloway, which is like the first big Husky game I went to with, with our dad uh, at age 12. The USC win in 2009, Sark's first year, Eric Folk kicking a field goal on the final play of regulation, crowd storming the field. You'd have his back after going 0-12 the previous year. And then this one tops tops those two. Absolutely. It's on the it's on the list for me as greatest football games I've ever been to. Also, just because USC is getting crushed by Notre Dame doesn't mean like it's not a hard game. Absolutely. Yes. Still a very hard game. Still going to be a hard game. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else. Do, what else do we have to talk about from this one? You don't have to go. You're like, you're giving me the wrap it up. <laughs> you is started there, playing the music. You played me off. Is there one other big picture takeaway that you have? I thought the defense played ultimately quite well overall, oh, yeah. considering the situation. Uh, I think Roma Dunze, I mean, you have to remember this was, we didn't talk about it obviously prior to this, but this was a game that they had without their number two receiver, Jalen McMillan. And so being able to have another Jalen step in and Jalen Polk and have the performance that he had getting Giles Jackson back and the element that Giles Jackson brings to this offense. There is a time down the road when you look at these games that we're talking about USC, Utah, et cetera, et cetera. When Jalen McMillan could be back, and this is a very dynamic receiving core, to think that, we talked about this in the game, to think that there was a Husky receiver room with Puka Nakua, NFL superstar Puka Nakua, Roma Dudze, Jalen McMillan in it, that is a wild thing to think of. And then the couple of transfers from Michigan who both made plays, you have the long kick return that Jeremy Bernard had, uh, and then Giles Jackson scoring a touchdown in his first game back in a long time. I think this Husky, Husky defense played pretty well against an extraordinarily hard opponent. And I think uh, they they won this game more so than the offense did relative to the expectations for the two units and the units that they were going against. It was not the greatest day ever in Michael Penix Jr.'s, you know, Washington career, but no one's going to remember that. This wasn't the greatest day in Michael Penix Jr.'s Michael Penix Jr.'s Washington career. His QBR was still better than Bo Nix's, who if you just watching the game, you'd be like, Bo Nix probably outplayed him, right? Bo Nix didn't have any turnovers, but the yards per attempt was lower. 
you look at that, it took him 22 completions to get to 300 yards or whatever. And it took Bo Nix another 11 completions to get to three, uh, just a handful more than Penix got. Uh, I thought Michael Penix handled the pressure very, very well. And this, the sky's the limit for this football team right now. Absolutely. On that note, we will be back later this week with the full podcast, but just had to get, I mean, we saw so much demand. This might be the most demand ever for an emergency pod. So we had to get you something tonight. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Oh, okay.